Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Friday on the horn, Rod Babers, that makes it a what Friday? It's a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it, Ric Flair, woo, football Friday edition of Hook em Up with E and Rod B. Indeed, and it's a Friday into the weekend already here, and uh, as I told you earlier, I'm an old guy and it's been a busy week and New Year's and everything, I went to bed like 7.30 last night, Rod, just said, oh. you know what, and I I really thought, you know, I'm, I, I kind of want to watch this Bucks spurs game, because it is with football season winding down. Got to start getting into some NBA, and it was Wemby on his 20th birthday against the Bucks. And I'm thinking that might be a pretty good game, but you know what? My my fatigue won out. Hey, and I was like, I'm going to go as a. <laughs> this is legal, I think, to say on the radio. So when I was working at the ranch in Wyoming in college, there were the corral boss Alex used to call it uh, tits up. I'm going tits up, bedtime. <laughs> but I sleep on my side. But uh, so I'll pit sideways. But you either go, way, you can go nips up. Nips up. There you go. I can say that. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I'm going to bed. I'm yeah. going. It's over. It's been back to New Orleans and back, and the late nights. See, that's what happens when no easy. football is on Thursday. That's what happened to you. If football was on, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's basically you. You, did, you were not willing to sacrifice sleep for basketball, but you would have did it for football. Even a bad football game, you probably would have stayed up. And oh watched yeah, it. yeah, t- terrible football. I would watch <laughs> Al Michaels and uh, Kirk Herbstreet on, yeah. on, on Amazon. See, even Thursday night football. I'd have been watching, but uh, elected to get some much-needed rest and all that kind of stuff. See, I I got a good night's sleep. But, you know, you think about it, right? I went to bed, like, I probably fell asleep by 8. And (laughs) since we get up at, like, 4 whatever, so I only got eight hours of sleep. But it's good for me, man. It's good for me to go ahead and shut it down. But so I missed, and I've been watching the highlights this morning. This this whole Victor Wembanyama's birthday thing was crazy. Uh, he had a lot of highlights, man. Oh, my gosh. Someone I mean, behind the back. I mean, Spurs are a terrible team. Yeah. Well, Giannis dropped 44, and uh, the Bucks won the one. Because Giannis is 10 years into his career now. And people are looking at Wemby thinking, well, where is he, where's he going to be in 10 years? And this is what you saw, the glimpse last night. Yeah. There was one sequence in which on one end he blocked. You know, Giannis tried to barrel into the lane, and he took the contact and blocked his shot and set up a fast break. And then on the other end, he did this deal where he, he – did this? He whirled and uh, threw an alley oop off the glass to himself. I know, I saw that. <laughs> so like, you talking about? Because he was about to travel. Instead of so, instead of traveling, he flipped it up off the glass and then. You're talking about Rucker Park stuff. This is stuff that people were doing in and one tapes. He's doing it out there. But I mean, you. I don't think you can ever really truly get used to him doing such a unicorn. Do, yeah, because his freakish uh, build and like freakish physique. Doing such ridiculously athletic things yeah, behind like, his back, and then yeah, he went like, by, there was another dribble. series when when they were down six. He went behind his back around a guard and then, and then dunked, dunked on a seven footer. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like what you know. I don't think you'll get used to it. And this is like you said, this is just he's twenty. This is the beginning of it, man. A, a guy that big with handles, you just don't see it. You don't see a guy that big with handles. Now, the Spurs aren't good. We know that. But they got a long way give, to go. Give but, some time. But that's the reason. They're bad now because they got to get him a partner. Well, and that's the scary yeah, part because Gian, yeah. Giannis is one of the two, three best players in the game right now, and he had a huge game. 
but you know he's ten years in, mm-hmm. and when Giannis came in the league, I mean he was awkward and uh, uncoordinated too. He wasn't this skilled, not even close. Yeah. Uh, and then he hit three later in the game that tied it at one twenty one. It's crazy. Like Giannis wasn't this good. Jokic, Jokic was overweight when he got in the league, right, and had to develop. And now, like Jokic last night, hits this forty foot bank shot to beat Golden State by three at the buzzer. Craziness. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, what you see last night is the current with the NBA. The Bucks are one of the favorites to win the title and then the future. I mean, yeah. what, that's just the question you ask. What is this freak going to be a oh, few, few years from now? Yeah. Cause it's, and the Spurs will put pieces around them. The fact that they are so bad is probably good because they're going to get, get another, a good piece. Gonna get another lottery pick. Yeah, they're going to get him a partner. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I think they, they're and not – And free agents will want to play with him. Yeah, they're not panicking about being this bad because they know they need to be this bad so that they can get him some help and some support. And when they do that, that's going to be scary. Yes. That's going to be scary. Another dude. lottery or top five kind yes. of pick. And then yeah. – Free agents are going to play there. Man, it's going to be crazy. And they've got salary cap space to go do it. And, uh, yeah, no, that's the that's the future right there. Rod, what did you have in off the record that we did not uh, have time to get to? Uh, okay. Oh, you know what? Here we go. Um, how about this? Because I thought this was interesting. It goes to the point you've made about bo- uh, basically the college football, the ratings are through the roof. There are a lot of issues with college football, NIL, transfer portal. We know. Yeah. Got to get some guardrails for that stuff, checks and balances. We've discussed that. Uh, but the product – has never been more appealing to the masses. Uh, the, the, how about this? The Bar, Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Wyoming and Toledo. Not exactly great. <laughs> the Cowboys exactly great and teams. the, uh, what is it, the Rockets? Yeah, and, we, and Wyoming was a good team this year, actually. We, Texas knows that because they got a chance to play Wyoming. But you're talking about not necessarily, you know, uh, headlines. They're not making headlines, and these are not teams that have brands that you can easily sell. It averaged 1.1 million viewers. Uh, it was on the CW. It was CW's top. It was among CW's top three telecasts of the past two years. <laughs> Just well, and obviously having know. Barstool pushing it all the time helped with that because um, they've got their own you know audience generation ability. Peaked at 1.9 million viewers. That's crazy for Wyoming Toledo. Yeah. A, I wouldn't watch that game. Somebody out there watching it though. Uh, I think if you're a Barstool follower big time, then they. They did a lot with the Barstool people during the game, I guess. Oh, I didn't see it either. Dave Portnoy called it like the, it's, it's all Barstool stuff. The it's all Barstool. Show. So, so there's that appeal. But you're right. I mean, look, I mean, that's the thing we've been, I've, I've been clear to say is because we get the messages all the time that, because you know me, Rod, I, for 25 years on the radio, I've been advocating for paying the players, mm-hmm. um, you know, more freedom for the players, um, you know, those kind of things. But, you know, now people say that I'm, you know, people like me are the reason that we have, we, the game is being ruined. Sport is being ruined. You well, ruined it, E. Yeah, I did, of course, <laughs> uh, because it's finally do, they're doing what they should have been doing all along, and they've been forced to do it by court rulings and doing right by uh, the players. and state legislatures. <laughs> yeah, doing right by the players. Um, but either way, but so what I bought, what I push back against is that people are saying the game's being ruined. It's being changed from what you like and the way you're used to it. And yes, a lot of the bowl games have become minimized without a doubt. The month of December was not about bowl games this year; it was about transfer portal, yep, and early signing window, mm-hmm. and then the Final Four. I mean, that's really all that mattered in the month of January uh, or December. I don't say all that mattered, but if you're a Texas State fan, you were excited to win a bowl game, right? I mean, so there's still different, you know, conversations surrounding each one. And, yes, the Orange Bowl with 40 opt-outs was not much of a bowl game. And, you know, Georgia killed Florida State, uh, whatever. But still had great ratings, right? Yeah, still had great ratings. Oh, amazing ratings. I mean, the, the, that 63-3 that to three, whatever game it was, Orange Bowl, got double the viewership, almost triple the viewership of any NBA game on Christmas Day. It's amazing. Yeah. So you can say it's being ruined, but I got—I think words matter. It's not being ruined; it's being changed. 
It's being altered. It's transitioning uh, from what it was to what it's going to become. And you can certainly, as a, as a consumer, not like that. That can be not for you because you want it to be what it was, but it's never going back to what it was. Yeah. This is not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, like you said yesterday, based on you know, total TV minutes, this year is the most watched college football season of all time. And here's another little nugget. Since we're talking about football and talking about ratings here. Um, the NFL this year accounted for 93 of the top 100 most watched U.S. broadcasts uh, last year. If you include, and this is obviously the most recent year, if you include college football, that number increases to 96 of the top 100. So basically the NFL had 93 of the top 100 most watched uh, U.S. television broadcasts last season. College football had three of them. And college football is the basically second most watched television program or TV show in America. And it's getting more successful. I think it's increasing viewership. But there's nothing. The NFL is just. Well, a I do think to to, to extend this conversation. Monster. I do believe when you go to the twelve team playoffs, I think you could see in future years where the the college football gets ten of the top hundred. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Because those college football playoff games will become the huge be watches, so right? Yeah. Just like the semifinal games were massive. You'll start having quarterfinal games that do massive ratings. Championship yeah. Saturday when it's about winning your conference and the conference champion is an automatic bid, mm-hmm. automatic spot in the 12-team field. Those, that'll I mean because they're so immediate and they're so important, that will generate huge eyeballs. Uh, and, so you'll, and that's the growth of what, the most popular sport in this country and the second most popular. Right? It's the reason that the, the NFL has been able to make the, the combine and the draft is such a huge because I've always said that the combine and the draft are the confluence of college and pro football. It's where the best players come, and then your favorite NFL teams draft players that you've watched for three or four years in college, and it brings both – because there are people who are just NFL fans, a lot of them. Oh, yeah, just some just college football fans. They and then they're just the college football fans. Yeah. But the draft brings them both together. There's a lot of them that are both, like yeah. us. <laughs> and obviously I'll get the text, and it's fair. People say, well, why do you, why do you, want, the NFL, why do you want college football to be more like the NFL? Well, I don't. But it's becoming more like the NFL, without a oh, doubt. Oh, hell, you got basically not – your salary cap is the NIL. Now, they don't have a fixed salary cap for everybody, but based on what your NIL resources are I think are they in will school, in the future. You're, yeah, they could, yeah, you probably will. They have to, actually. As they evolve um, and put but, leadership around yeah. this, I think there will be a but salary cap. Essentially, your NIL resources, that will determine what your salary cap is. We've been seeing now, and I brought this up earlier in the show, uh, there's, there are rumors, because we had this happen, or at least had this story uh, break yesterday at the end of the show, that the running back from Ole Miss uh, – uh, Quentin Judkins, who rushed for over 2,700 yards the last two years, 34 touchdowns, SEC freshman of the year. He's a really good running back, one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, Ty says he's Ole Miss's best player. He watches a lot of Ole yeah, Miss he's football. one of the best two-year running backs in, in the SEC since Herschel Walker. Yeah, he's one of the best running backs in the country. He's leaving. He's, he's in the transfer portal. The Some of the reports are – is that a lot of it? His a lot of the reason he's disgruntled is because he believes he has a higher NIL value than he is currently being compensated for, and they, I believe it was Shannon Terry threw it out there. They do on threes uh, NIL valuations, and they say his NIL valuation is around five hundred thirty-five thousand dollars, which is a lot of money. Um, but he claims he could be asking for two to three times that. And just like in NFL, running backs being devalued and want to be paid more what they believe their market value is. Uh, but the market will determine that. And if you're seeing at the college level now, college programs like in the NFL decide, no, no, they're premier positions. And we know that they consider premier positions because Matt Rule already told us big-time elite quarterback will cost you $1 to $2 million in the portal. 
they're basically assigning value just like the NFL does to positions, right? And well, premium positions. and look, and now that it's the genie's out of the bottle, and it you know players look, I, there still needs to be some guardrail. We all agree with that, and an oversight, and all the things that aren't currently in place that need to be put in place. But as it moves into its new and transitions to what it's becoming, you know who will ensure, Rod, that the guardrails that need to be put in place and the the uh, um, you know the, the you know the processes that need to happen. Mm-hmm. You know who will ensure that is the TV networks, the TV networks who are paying the money, who have for look. TV is why the the consolidation of conferences has happened. Yeah, ESPN wanted it, Fox wanted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pushed this. Uh, you can like that or not, but that's where the money's coming Bob from. Bowles didn't like it, right? And what's what's forced NIL for and forced the freedom for players? That's been court decisions and Supreme Court decisions and state legislatures have forced that upon the NCAA. So now they're not in control. Uh, and the TV networks are the ones playing the chess game. The TV networks, ESPN and Fox, and whoever else wants to get in the game, for, for the reason you just said that, oh, my gosh, See? they took three TV shows away from the NFL. Yeah, that's true. And that could be 10 or 12. Yeah, NFL don't like that. Well, go back into the 90s and, and 2000s when you folks out there, well, that's when college football was great. You weren't outrating the NBA in those years. You weren't getting more viewership no. in the NBA. You weren't beating baseball in those years. You are now. You're, you're the second most popular sport in this country, period. Yep. And there's no way to have that and that interest and that passion and not allow the players to share in the billions that are coming in. You, you can't have that. It's not, it's not sustainable. The are terrible. And that's what I've been saying for 20 years. There's no way that you can be paying coaches $10 million a year. Everybody's getting rich, and the players or the product aren't getting anything. Nothing. And that's what the Supreme Court ruled. Like, this, is, this system's yeah. a sham, y'all. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is borderline. Nine cri- nothing. This is a borderline criminal syndicate. Yes. You guys are running right 100%. here. 100%. This, is, this is violates all types of antitrust laws. Right? Correct. And so <laughs> it, it's being forced to change. But the TV networks, because of the product that they want to continue to grow, mm-hmm. uh, they, will ins- they, will, they will be the ones who insist that these conferences get together and maybe elect a commissioner and put the, stipul- the, the, ru- the rules in place that are going to be easier to follow. They'll push for the top 70 teams to pull away from the NCAA and govern themselves and let the NCAA run everything else, which it still needs to do. All that will happen, and I think the TV networks, because you're here, guys like Chip Kelly, UCLA, already laying out the whole idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something we've talked about for years, and now yeah. coaches are the ones and, laying it out. And, you know, these are all guys, a lot of these coaches that are speaking out, they're coaches who played in the league. And then uh, and they're coaches in the NFL, yeah. Coaches in the NFL, so they are used to, like, no, no, this is how it needs to be done, guys. Chip Kelly, yeah. Matt Rule speaking out, even Sarkis talked about it a little bit. Yeah, because they, it's Nick Saban talked about it. In the league, they understand, no, man, these things can be – these problems can be solved relatively well, easily. And the other part <laughs> of it is for the decades-long conversation is that the, the sport of football, which is the most popular sport in this country, without a doubt, high school, college, and pro, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's – it's where the passion is, which means this leads to viewership, which means leads to ticket sales and jersey sales and all the things that everyone covets as far as business goes. Um, it, it didn't have a minor league system, right? It didn't have a – baseball's got a four-tier minor league system. Hockey has a four-tier minor league system. The NBA finally is developing their G League, yep. which is helping develop players and separate college from pro. The NFL, the, the football industry has essentially said, well, we'll just make college football our minor league. Yeah, yeah whether you all like it or not. Yeah, and we're going to force it to happen. Yeah, it's pretty much ready. Y'all like it or not. Because we don't want to – the NFL doesn't want to pay for their own minor league system. No. 
They'll just let college football be the minor league system. Well, and the problem with NFL minor league system, honestly, and I've talked to some folks about this for years, is insurance. Yeah, for sure. They can't, they can't get those, they can't, they can't get those guys insured because the, the insurance companies barely want us. They barely want to insure the NFL. They, they, for years they've been like, man, y'all are way too dangerous for us to insure because the your risk is way too high. Yeah, your risk. And by the way, that's why the insurance companies and the NFL they don't insure players past the amount of vested years they have. Like if you have four vested years playing in the NFL, you get four years of health insurance. After that, that's it. You think that's crazy? Yeah, you can be done playing in the NFL by the time you're 28. Your health insurance is over by the time you're 32. Right? And you don't even need it by then. He's like, I need it when I need I'm 52. It when I'm 50, you too. Yeah. yeah. And I always, my, my, I've always advocated they should let you use your four best years of health insurance whenever you want to. That's good. I can use that's them when great. I'm 65, whatever. My point is, that's why you don't have a. Uh, and you're right about that's that. That's why you don't have a. And that's system. why when people, because the other side of that is people who are too far on the other side saying, well, no, they should just make them employees. College the universities are never to make these players employees because that brings in insurance. It makes insurance. Uh, yeah. Workman's comp. Yep. All the rules that go into yeah, that. Taxes. Pre- President Obama said that at the time. He said, I'm less worried about the guys getting compensated. I'm more worried about them getting health insurance. Correct. He brought that up. And that's why they'll never be employees. (laughs) Never. And that's where NIL comes in. And that's where they're using their benefit on their own name, image, and likeness. That's the compromise. Yeah, that's right. And they can make money while they're playing uh, and be developed. I mean, think about the minor league system conversation. You know, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, those guys are now six-year players. Mm-hmm. Michael, those two were in the recruiting class with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And those guys have already played three years of pro football. Yeah. Um, but Michael Penix and Bo Nix got to develop, find their right spot. Now they're going to be both first-round draft picks while they've made some money through NIL. And the NFL feels like, hey, we're getting a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. We're, we wouldn't have drafted that quarterback three years ago. No way. Uh, we'll take Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But even in the NFL, those guys are having to take their lumps. Yes, they are. They're having to learn, and Justin Fields is still not certain yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's where we're going. Again, for you college football purists, and we've had the debates in baseball because there are baseball purists, and you've talked about the oldest fan bases are golf and football and baseball, and those fan oh, bases baseball. are hard to change. Yeah. It's yeah. college football. Yeah. The old, they're old because they're all well, legacy. It's generational. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. The 90-year-old well, even, football fans. Yeah, NFL yeah. fans are generational too. But they're not as old as yeah, college but, football Yeah, but in, in, you know, in the university and college level, you're, you've gone to those schools. Yes. So you're passionate about it. Yes. You went to school there, so that's mm-hmm. your school. Yeah. And that gets passed on and on, on legacy-wise. So, yes, this is where the passion is. Baseball is similar. Golf is an older audience, and that's why those, pro, those sports are reticent to change and yep. hesitant to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to force it. Yep. And but the fact that it's being forced doesn't make it bad, doesn't yeah. make it wrong. It Again, for for the for the pile of money, you can't be the second most revenue generating sport in this country, and not share the money with the the product. You you you. How do you get your head around that? And and most of the people who make these arguments are capitalists. They claim to be no, yeah. conservatives <laughs> who believe in capitalism. Yeah. And I used to argue with them, going, well, "How are you a capitalist? What are yeah. you talking about? You're not a capitalist. In this what is situation. this? What are you talking about?" Yeah. I'm with you on that. Like the players don't get to make money. They get to be student athletes and get school. <laughs> well, they're generating billions for everybody else. What, 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 what economics class did you go to? Yeah, it was, it, no, it was, it was fine when it wasn't a multi-billion dollar industry. But now it's a multi-billion dollar industry. You do have to change and start to share the revenue that you're creating. At some point. Yeah, that, that scholarship agreement that they were just student athletes, yeah, it was fine in, I don't know, 19... 19- something 1960 something yeah that's okay because it wasn't a multi-billion dollar industry well, at the time of, well, and, and, and but now gosh, it, it doesn't take long because remember in 95 or 90 i wrote my college they thesis changed, off, yeah that's when my they, college thesis Supreme was Court on this whole thing right? right well that was but was 1995 that? i wrote my college thesis on this exact thing could should college athletes be paid right and that was a 25 page uh thoroughly researched paper and i but my conclusion was yes and how and i gave ideas and ways to do it this was 30 years ago Ron. 
It's crazy. But at the time, the head football coach at Texas was John McAvig, and he was making about $750,000. And my former radio host, Bucky Godball, was a running backs coach there, and he was making about 180 Gs. Hmm. Um, you know, and I was making that argument then. Well, now every assistant coach at Texas is making near a million dollars. Yeah. The head coach is making five and a half. He's about to get make ten. <laughs> about to make well. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. He's about to get a raise. And, yeah. and the the old school people people wanted to still be like it was in nineteen ninety five. That's yes, insane. They yes, they do. And I they was think, arguing and advocating for it then. I mean, they think it was better back then for some reason. It's like, I don't. And think by the better. way, y'all, it's not changing because football. What you just said, that stat you just gave, is the exact reason that somehow college football has now plucked three games, three TV shows away from the NFL. And by the way, no, that's unheard of. But no other sport even made the top one hundred. No not other sport, even close. Not even close. So it is. It's just football. But well, NFL and when I gave those it. stats on Tuesday after the national championship game, that the Alabama, uh, Michigan game in the Rose Bowl. Oh yeah generated it was an nfl audience it was 33 million people this was like an nfl playoff game and so again if you don't think the big business of tv and media is buying all that they they would they want to grow that and so it's going to be more money rod Mm -hmm. uh so at some point the system has to be that's what i started that point on the tv networks will be the ones that will insist no doubt because it'll collapse on itself if they don't fix it we would all agree with that if they don't put the the processes in place the guardrails in place and the rules and let put a, a single commissioner or at least a commission that runs it, the higher end of football, well, college football, it'll collapse, and that's what TV networks don't want. Yeah, they want to grow cow. the golden goose. It's, it's a cash cow for them. And it just goes, and, and TV networks, this is happening all over uh, with streaming services, through streaming networks oh and broadcast networks. There are only a couple of things, two or three things that Americans will consume live. That's it. It's sports. It's news, like presidential debates. Um, uh, uh, disaster porn, unfortunately, like when something really bad happens. Yeah, when there's disaster. a terrible it's situation. We watch that live. But we don't watch a lot of things live. Everything else we watch streaming or we DVR it. We, we watch it at our own, you know, kind of on our own schedule. That's why, right? we, that's why we podcast every hour yeah. of this show. And you can go back and listen whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, because people, they want to watch and consume things at their own, on their own schedule at their own leisure. And I get that. Uh, but some things you watch live in sports is one of the things they watch live. So now there is a bidding war all across uh, the new entertainment ecosystem, streaming and broadcast networks to get more sports, any sports, any sport. You see Apple's like, ah, we'll take soccer. We'll take anything. Uh, give, us a, give us that bowl game. We'll take this. They'll take anything right now. Well, Even if it's not yet profitable, one day it will be. That's why the NBA Cup is so important to the NBA and those broadcast networks. That's exactly we right. We can make this another product that people would consume. And that's live. why people who are critical of LeBron for taking it seriously, LeBron understands he wants to be an owner. The TV networks eventually are going to pay big money for this thing. Yep. If we get it right, if we if we don't take it seriously, it won't grow and we won't make the billions we want it to make. You just said it with Apple and the, and the soccer. When Apple came in and bought the MLS package, and, and people said, "Wow, that's a lot of money for yeah, soccer." Exactly. And what did they do? This is why I'm saying the mm-hmm. networks will insure it. They went and got Messi. Yeah, they made. Yeah, they made. They went easy. and made yeah. Messi. Gave it. I mean, they built away and a ramp for, gave for a revenue Messi. share. That's gave exactly a revenue right. Revenue share of the league. They understood what they were investing in, and they, okay, well, how do you ramp that up? Oh, we get Messi, Everybody and then we have Messi it. bring other guys. It's the international story now. Everybody's talking about it, right? Yeah. Then that is the the big conglomerates, the big media. And he's going to want to be an owner, by the way. They're going to encourage Messi oh, to be an owner, too. Like, hey, Messi, come on, and then you go get the next star. Well, th- remember the pipeline of that is when <laughs> when David Beckham came. Yeah. He wanted part of his deal. He took a lot less money to play for the LA Galaxy or whoever it was. But part of the deal was when he retires, he can buy a new franchise for $25 million, which is right. chump change. Which I think now may be worth close, close, close to a right. billion. And so they said, <laughs> sure, we'll do that, David Beckham. You can bend it. And so now he bought the Miami team. And now Messi's there, and Messi's got an ownership plan, too. This is how you grow your league, Rod. Mm-hmm. 
This is how you grow it. And again, for college football fans who are old school purists, you can cry, you can, you know, sounds why I like Sark's attitude on these things. It's like you can not like it, but you still have to evolve with it. You still have to adapt to the change, coaches, players, fans. This is where it's going. And and the fact that you just had three of the television shows were college football games. Yeah. That they see that, that that's huge to the to the networks. They're like, Oh my gosh, we got three games. What if we make that ten? What if we make that twelve? Yeah. This is how they do with the bowls. They're like, hey, man, 12? If yeah. we get this kind of ratings for, for four, yeah. let's do a 12-team playoff. Yeah. And, 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 again, they will be the ones that will come up with new ways. They'll talk to the NCAA about how this needs to work, right? They'll be the, the power brokers. Because, but because of TV rod and conferences, the NCAA has never had any power over football. Never. Mm-mm. You go back to the 80s when they started, you know, hey, leave us alone. We'll run the bowl games. We'll run college football, NCAA. You go make your money on March Madness. You grow that. You can run everything else, and we're mm-hmm. taking football. Yep. And that's been since the 80s, Rod. And uh, the conferences run the thing. Well, now there'll be a new level that the conferences are going to have to adhere to. Uh, the four mega conferences, there's yep. going to have to be an entity above them that they answer to as well as far as NIL rules, that. salary caps, tra- you know, transfer rules, those kind of things. But it won't be the NCAA. No, because the NCAA, basically, since the courts have decided that they are opposed and an enemy of the NCAA, the NCAA has lost all of its power. They got well, nothing. the precedent is all against them. Yeah. And they've, they've even said, much like we talk about the PGA Tour, gave in to live because mm-hmm. they were going to spend them into the courtroom. The NCAA lost millions in court, court battles that they lost. Yeah. They over and over and over. Yeah, now they can't afford the lawyers, really. To yeah, keep and, fighting all the cases. And the precedent's <laughs> all against them. Yeah. Yeah, so, basically the, the, court, the highest court in the land said, bring me more cases against the NCAA, <laughs> and I will rule in your favor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so they're out, and it's all going to change. But, again, the NCAA is still necessary. To There's a lot of sports. There's a lot of 500 athletes at UT oh, yeah. that don't play football. Exactly. And so they need, a, they need a, a, a body, and that'll still be the NCAA. Football will be different. It's essentially the NFL lights or the you know, professional yep. college football association or whatever we're going to call it. Pretty much. And it'll be 70, 75 teams. And uh, everyone else will still be under the NCAA's rules. Yeah. And they'll donate back to the schools. 100%. For, they'll fund you know, the athletic department. Exactly. Same way they do now for Title IX and everything. They'll just have to donate a certain amount of money and, back to the, the academic. And back to my thesis, Rod. Uh, I did have this idea. But now that it's here. Have you found that thing? Did you do, I throw need it away? It. You know, Rod, I wrote that on a little word I, processor I know, 30 years ago. It wasn't even a computer. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those that you had to write it all out and then you put it in t- it printed it, it, typed it, it like a typewriter. No, it like typed it like a typewriter. Yeah, yeah. I think Once I remember it was, <laughs> Once it was done. Yeah, I remember that back in the day. It's called like a brother or something. That's how, I don't know. They don't, they don't even can save it. But either way, I'll try to find it. But either way, so the, the other part of that is because people will text and they're, they're not wrong. Now that they're making money, maybe they should pay for their own school. I'm not against that. If you get rid of the whole idea of a scholarship. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that either. And you say, okay, you guys are making NIL money, so now you pay for your tuition. Okay. And yeah. I think football players would be for that. I'm, I'm all, actually, it makes perfect sense, actually, yes. to me. And I'm sure there'd be a tax way to, a way to write it off or something. And by the way, you know what else that does, Rod, is it takes the, the, the football program outside of the Title IX scope because they're not scholarship athletes. Oh. And so now programs with the revenue coming in can actually bring in more sports. Now that, that is a game changer. Right, because because one of the things that skews Title IX and the, the federal law that it is is when you have 85 football scholarships. Yeah. yeah. How do you generate that? I mean, how do you get equal you to women's? That. You got to balance that out. So you, you either get add more women's sports. You either add women's sports, like mm-hmm. UT added rowing. They're adding beach volleyball. Yep. But you also get rid of men's sports mm-hmm. to make it even and to yeah, make it federally get, compliant. Get rid of baseball and stuff. Well, like so that. if you yeah. made the, at the seventy-five at that level, if you made those those schools and those those athletes not scholarship athletes, and they're paying their own way, 
Well, now that takes you outside of Title IX. Wow. Which could be a huge benefit while the football team is still paying for everything. And, 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 and you know, in, at those 75 schools or whatever the number is, now all of a sudden you're, you're a bit, your ability to add new men's sports, wrestling at Texas or soccer at Texas, wow. for example, on the men's side. Um, you actually could do that potentially and have the money to pay for it, by the way. That's a, I haven't heard anybody bring that up as a possibility, but that would be interesting depending on how much money the guys are getting paid and how much the education costs. I'm sure the university could give them a discount on the Yeah, you get the a rate. discount or yeah. it's, not like, it's not like they're creating new classes tuition. for football players. Yeah, you know. They're just part of the general pop. But, interesting. Okay. Right, team nine, you know, He's still coming up with great ideas. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, it's, years it's, later, 30 some years all later. All you have man. to do is find reasons to find solutions and not just say no. All but the, the NCAA time. was saying no all the time. Remember when yes. EA, EA Sports said, listen, uh, when they were, they were ending the college football game and they're bringing it back, obviously, because they're going right. to give the guys their, their, their piece for NIL. But they told the NCAA, we don't care about making a profit from this college football game because it's so popular. It's worth it for us even to just break even on it. We will pay the players. We will pay them. We'll give them all a stipend. Um, but we need you to sign off on it so we can agree to do it. And he simply said no because it's, essentially it's a slippery slope to be paying the players for anything. Yeah. They just said no. And it's like, but that was a great compromise. They're willing to put up all the to, to pay all the money and do all the hard work. All you have to say is yes. The players can get some type of compensation. They were like, no, we don't want them to get anything. And that that is a great example of the like, incre- the incremental change I've talked about that should have been adopted year by year by college football and college athletics and the NCAA for the last twenty years. Make those incremental changes, and we wouldn't be dealing with this chaos. We wouldn't. But they just found every reason. All they did is say no. Yep. No, 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 right. no, no. At every point. And now they've lost all power. Great, and, uh, great ideas like yours, great ideas throughout the years they were presented with, and they were like, no, no we won't even research no. it. It's like research it to see if it actually is a pragmatic pr- solution. Nope, they don't care. Yeah. Well, I remember going back to even when, because my former co-host Bucky would talk about, all I would want is for, can, can we get the parents to get paid, the school pays for one road trip for the parents. Mm-hmm. So they can go to a game, a road oh, yeah. game, with, and see their kid play. That's a great idea. And see, no, 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 that's an, that's an uh, extra benefit. Because that it. would help him in recruiting. Because remember, one of the things that helped uh, R.C. Slocum, at sure. least, and we, when he was recruiting me, he said, hey, if your parents, if you go out of state, no, your parents are not going to all those games. They might go to one game a year because they can't afford, can't afford it. it. And I was like, done. I will be going to school in the state. My Thank parents you, come to every game. My parents go to every game. And, but you're right. That Bucky was recruiting out of state. He's probably thinking, man, if I could guarantee these parents, guarantee they could come to one game, it may help me persuade on, on them. The, on the school's dime. Yes. You know, but you're right. It's a good point. And those are, and those are incremental things. Small. Small that Aww. you just do, oh, you know, you know, year by year, you change it. But, again, they were so against any change. Yes, yeah, uh, It led to where we are. So don't blame me and don't blame people who advocated for it. Blame the people who didn't change. Right. And now it's been forced upon them. And now they're completely uh, – they have no ability they're, they're to powerless. control it. Yeah, they are. They're, they're basically, yeah, at this point, they're powerless. And, and now they, you're – And they lost, it. they lost power multiple times. It was their fault, too. Remember, they, they gave up power during COVID. Oh, yes. Remember, they decided we don't want to make – this is too much of a moral, uh, ethical issue. We don't want to touch it. We're going to leave it up to the conference. And we're like, so you're just going to leave the, the toughest decision in decades up to conferences instead of you? What do you do here then? Where's the leadership, right? Where's that, the leadership? Yeah, exactly. And the conferences each made their own decision, and then the schools be, beyond that. All right, we'll come back. Rod, uh, we talked through the rant. We'll come back, and that was a pretty good one, though. We'll do rant. your rant coming back. We'll also play some – who said that for the top that? of the hour? We'll get to our fabulous fifth hour coming up uh, after that. It's still still rolling on a busy football Friday. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it, it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to the show, and welcome to Rod's Rant of the Day. A couple of things I want to bring up, just a couple of topics. First, talking about the Texans. And their big matchup coming up versus the Colts. A big game for the Texans who will be trying to uh, clinch a playoff spot with that win. I gave this little nugget out earlier just to show you how, um, really how much of an achievement it is for the Texans to even be in the playoff hunt. Uh, The Texans were at 200 to 1 odds. Uh, which is the which was the second worst Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl odds to start the season, and now they're playing for a playoff spot. Colts, by the way, were at, were 150 to one odds to win the Super Bowl. They were second and third uh, worst odds to win the Super Bowl, and they're playing for a playoff spot. That's pretty impressive. Uh, we talked early, throw the Bucks in there too. I think they were the fourth worst odds to win the Super Bowl, and they are a team that's going to look like they'll end up making the playoffs. So it's really interesting. You know, you got the the Colts and the Texans both. Both first-year head coaches. Um, at one point, they were first-year quarterbacks, too. First-year starting quarterbacks for both of these squads. Uh, but Anthony Richardson got hurt, and you have Gardner Minshew, who's more of a veteran, um, who's going to be quarterbacking the Colts in that matchup. Speaking of first-year head coaches, first-year quarterbacks, rookie head coaches, rookie quarterbacks, since the year 2000, there have been 13 such combinations. First-year quarterback, first-year head coach, rookie and either. Um, of that group, they're the fifth team to finish the season with a winning record. The Texans are. They are the fourth team to, to win six more games, at least six more games, than they won the previous season. So a, a differential uh, uh, turnaround is, uh, from uh, the last season of six wins, at least six more wins. And in terms of the play, teams that made the playoffs, um, I believe that four of those 13 teams made the playoffs. If the Texans make the playoffs, they'll be the fifth of those 13 teams with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback to make the playoffs. So pretty impressive stuff by the Texans. Also going to be the first time they play in primetime. They've been playing in that 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone window, which is the noon window for uh, Central Standard Time Zone the entire season. 16 of those games. First time they're playing in primetime. I hope that it is a motivating factor for the Texans, but I will admit I'm not sure how they're going to play um, considering their all their body clocks all season long have been adjusted to playing at noon. Now, that's all they played. Uh, had no primetime games to start the season. Goes back to those Super Bowl odds. So had the second-worst Super Bowl odds to start the season. Why the hell would you put them in primetime? Um, so the Texans have earned that primetime spot. So I'll give the Texans a lot of credit for that. Speaking of uh, the matchup this weekend between them and the Colts, there are a couple of little nuggets that I think are really important in this matchup. I brought up the pass rush for the Texans has become formidable. It, it really has. They are actually one sack away. If they get a sack in this game versus the Colts, they'll be, uh, they'll be the new franchise. It'll be the new franchise record 
four sacks in a single season, breaking the 2015 record of 45. And a lot of that is due to Will Anderson. Now, Will Anderson, in the last three games, hasn't even played that much. I want to say in the last three weeks, he's only played like, I don't know, 20 snaps or something like that total. He has not played yeah, a lot. Yeah, he got hurt in the Jets game. Yeah, so he hasn't played a lot. Same game C.J. Stroud got hurt. I mean, they were a mash unit coming out of the Yes, yeah, right. I mean, they've had more guys on IR, season in the IR, than any team in the league. Yep. <laughs> um, and we had Sean Bajani on. He actually said that as well. So it's still the case even today. I think that was the case like four weeks ago when I brought up that stat. It is still the case in the state. So remarkable job by D'Amico Ryans and that staff. But even in the time where Will Anderson has been hurt, and he's our best pass rusher, if you look among uh, rookie pass rushers, he's first in pressures, uh, second in sacks, first in QB hits and, and QB hurries. Uh, he's third in overall stops. He has been a force out there on the edge. Still has a chance to potentially win defensive rookie of the year, uh, but I think uh, Devon Witherspoon is probably going to win that, the uh, defensive back for the Seattle Seahawks. He's been fantastic. Uh, but anyway, getting back to it, in the last three weeks, when Will Anderson, their best pass rusher, has missed a lot of time, he's been effective in the few snaps he's played, but he's missed a lot of time. They still have 14 sacks in the last three games. That's the most in the NFL in that time span, by the way. Even with Will Anderson being limited to playing limited to no snaps, in the last three games, they've had more sacks than any team in the league in that time span, 14 of them. They are trending. They're starting to figure it out. Well, I would say two of those games were against Tennessee, and Tennessee's offensive line's a mess. It and is they, They've taken advantage of that. But, no, I mean, but look, Gardner Minshew's been sacked 33 times this year. Yeah. And he's a guy you can get to. They're good running the ball. And, you know, the Colts do it with a two-headed monster. It's Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. Those are their two running backs. But to your point about uh, taking away Gardner Minshew's first read, uh, the first read is almost always going to be Michael Pittman. Uh, he's their leading receiver. So that can you put De- De- uh, Derek Stingley – and see if he can lock that guy up, right? And then if you take away, uh, the, you know, their, their number one guy is Michael Pittman, the big receiver out of USC, uh, who's had a pretty good year. And then there's Josh Downs and Alec Pierce. I mean, there's a game plan. This should be a low-scoring game, I anticipate, because I think Houston yeah. wants to keep it a low-scoring game. Because we also heard from Sean Bajani that, you know, the matchup he's looking at is the Houston offensive line against the, the front seven of the Colts, which is really good. Uh, DeForest Buckner, and they got, they got a bunch of dudes with a bunch of sacks. They get after you up front. And Houston's offensive line is banged up. And Laramie Tunsil's questionable. Well, they think he's going to play. And the problem for C.J. Stroud is his receiving core is decimated. Yep. But the Colts' secondary is decimated. Like, it's, it's one of those, you know, who's going to be weaker? And if you can give C.J. time, you know, Nico Collins is healthy. Dalton Schultz is there. But there's no Tank Dell. There's no Noah Brown for this game. You know, who you're throwing to. I mean, you're, they're down to Xavier Hutchinson, Rod. Yep. The rookie out of Iowa State oh, yeah, is the guy that they're trying to rely on. Yep. So who wins that battle will be big. But you're right, the Texans' defense against Gardner Minshew, if they can force some interceptions, uh, I think this will be a lower-scoring game. That, uh, and the Texans have been pretty good in one-score games when they get down to the wire because C.J. Stroud, when he's so healthy, clutch. has been really good in that. Yeah, he's so Case clutch. Keenum won him a close game in overtime against Tennessee, but C.J.'s been clutch in these games. Uh, speaking of interceptions, uh, seven of the nine total interceptions for Gardner Minshew have actually come when he's held on to the ball too long. Two and a half seconds is kind of your, you know, that really is the breaking point for Gardner Minshew, really for this offense. He's a rhythm thrower, and when he's in rhythm, that means he's getting the ball out quickly. And if he's holding on to the ball for more than two and a half seconds, that's when bad things happen. Like I said, seven of his nine interceptions have come in that. If you go look at and by the way, he's pretty much split. Uh, Gardner Minshew has exactly 233 pass attempts. 
um, and, uh, passing attempts both over and under two and a half seconds. So he is, he split right down the middle. Sometimes it's you know two and a half seconds and under. Sometimes it's two and a half seconds and over. But in the last, if you look at the games where he has gotten, they've gotten beat really badly. Take that Bengals game. He lost thirty-four to fourteen. Uh, when he hold, held onto the ball for more than two and a half seconds, forty-one passer rating, one interception, uh, zero touchdowns, eighty-two total yards. When he got rid of the ball under two and a half seconds, one eleven point six passer rating, had a touchdown, zero turnovers. That also has tracked in. Uh, in multiple games that I've been looking at for the Texans. So that's really kind of the theme. Can they take away the first read for Gardner? Well, and you know, the offense, the offense around Indianapolis is Shane Steichen. So it's a very RPO based offense. So they quick game, quick game. Uh, that's really what it's about. And it's either, you know, you put it in the belly of Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss, and then you pull it. If it's there, if you're not, if he's going to run the ball or you're going to throw it, but it's always a quick throw. Uh, it's like yep. we see Jalen Hurts do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn Ewers, Sark, when they want to go quick game with the RPO base, that's what the Colts do almost exclusively. Yeah, uh, and it happened in that Falcons game. Remember, Falcons, they just curb stumped the the Colts, held Jonathan Taylor to 2.4 yards per carry. I mean, they dominated almost 40% of the runs uh, for the Colts against the Falcons were stuffed at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And Gardner Minshew, once again, it tracked when he got rid of the football, uh, when he held on to the ball, I should say, for two and a half seconds or longer. He had a 32 passer rating. When he got rid of the football under two and a half seconds, 94 passer rating. It yeah. tracks. Yeah, and he, I'd say it goes to what he talked about, the quick game. If you take away the quick game, he holds it to the ball, your pass rush will get home. Yeah, and much like we saw, I'm, if I'm D'Amico Ryans, I'm going Washington against Quinn Ewers. Knock the ball down. Gary Gardner Minshew's not a big big player. Get your hands up. You're probably not going to get a sack when he's getting rid of the ball. No. Knock it down. That affected Texas early in that game uh, on a couple of early drives. Uh, I'd feel really good about Texas, the, the Texans in this game if they had um, Jonathan Grenard, the other pass rusher opposite Will Anderson, uh, get, the, get, the, get the double barrel off the edge, guys. Because the other thing for Texans, if you have, because most people listening now have not watched the Texans much this year. We get uh, I've watched every game. If you have, they get, one of the reasons they get a lot of sacks, even with Will Anderson not 100%, is they get good interior pressure from Sheldon Rankins and uh, Malik Collins, the former Cowboy. Those guys really do a good job pushing the pocket in the middle. And if you have both of those edge rushers coming, they become a real problem. And I'm amazed that they have a chance to break this, the franchise record. And this is a franchise that J.J. Watt who had like 23 sack seasons and, yeah. you know, put up huge numbers, defense player of the year. That tells you the impact D'Amico has brought to the defense. And I'd say for the offense, if you haven't watched the – Rod, you'll see a team in I formation. Oh, yeah. They're They'll right. line up in the eye. You've got an old school fullback they'll break out there. <laughs> and it's Anthony Beck. Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck, Beck the yeah. former Longhorn. And then mm-hmm. Brevin Jordan is another guy that they kind of yeah. use as an H-back tight end kind of guy. I mean, they're trying to run San Francisco's – they don't have juice check, use check yeah, yet. They don't have the pieces. But Devin Stingletary yeah. has really turned into kind of their Christian McCaffrey as running back, and uh, he's been a really good player for them. Nico Collins would be the number one receiver. And that's is. why the injury to Tank Dell was so big. When Tank Dell was playing, he and – talk about quarterback receiver chemistry. Out. Well, the chemistry between he and, and mm-hmm. CJ is – Colt Jordan-like. I mean, they were just like uh, – they were awesome together when he broke his leg on that running play. That was such a shame because Houston was more – he they, when they had Nico Collins as the go-to, but then the slot speed guy and tank, they were really – they're almost unstoppable. That was the stretch where they beat the Bengals. Uh, they, beat, man, they, they beat some good teams in there. Good teams. Uh, found ways to win some tough games, and, and then tank got hurt, and here we are. So yep. uh, it's going to be – that'll be a dogfight. It'll be a dogfight. Winner is in, and the winner could actually win the division if Jacksonville were to lose to Tennessee. So you could be talking about – so if the Texans were to win Saturday night, and, again, this is the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman team. This yeah. is kind of like the Monday night football game. 
Um, first time Troy Aikman will call a Texans game with C.J. Stroud, so that'll be interesting to listen to Saturday night. But um, the winner of that game, if the, if the Titans were to beat the Jaguars on Sunday, the winner of Saturday night's game wins the division. That's wild. I can't believe that. Can you believe that? Well, and again, the Jacksonville, you got an injured Trevor Lawrence. He's got an AC joint injury in his shoulder, and so it could be C.J. Beathard against the Titans. You know, Mike Vrabel's cussing this week. He's all mad because he hates losing, cussing out reporters. <laughs> we'll see yeah. what uh, Texas. Yeah, he's not feeling – yeah, he's, he's feeling a little bit uh, salty. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And they're playing at home. So keep an eye on that. And, of course, the Cowboys, all they have to do, the task is simple, beat Washington and you're the division champs. Just win, baby. Like Al Davis would say, And as win, we baby. said, the division – being the division champion versus the five seed could mean a trip to the – two home games in the playoffs and then a chance, a chance to get to the NFC Championship game for the first time in 25 years. Yeah. No, it's so, almost, what was it, 1995? Mm-hmm. So almost 30 years, Rod. Yeah, almost 30 years. When I was writing theses and <laughs> <laughs> things. Damn. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the, the Cowboys got it. I mean, they, if they lose, they're going to be a laughing stock of the league. Well, because that would be oppor- – I mean, the opportunity is Washington there. Washington has nothing to play for. Well, think about the difference between home game uh, in the playoffs with Green Bay, likely. Which is a very winnable game, especially the way they play at home. Very winnable. Green Bay, and then you'd likely play. You not like you would play the winner of the uh, Rams, Lions game. I think the Lions right now, but Rams are dangerous when healthy. Dangerous. I, yeah. When when Matt Stafford, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, and Kyron Williams are all playing, the Rams are pretty damn good. Uh, but that'll be a very even matchup in the Detroit game. But that's who you get right, and as opposed to if you lose this game Sunday, Rod, you're going to Tampa. And then week two, you'd go to and play a very hot Baker Mayfield team on the road. And we know the Cowboys are 3-5 and five on the road this year and have lost some games they shouldn't have away from home. Uh, but to have to go on the road as a five seed, play Tampa, and you win that, you're playing San Francisco in week two instead of week three yeah. in an NFC championship game. Mm, yeah, that could, yeah, it's not going to be good because I don't think the Cowboys are going to be San Fran, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong about And that. you know what? You'll be the most man, not, not, not our man Ty and all the Cowboy fans, Jerry. Jerry will be fur- if they lose this game, Jerry will be furious because think about two the revenue from two home games in the playoffs. That's true for the Cowboys. <laughs> for the Cowboys, yeah. hundred thousand people. Yeah, no, you're right. And well, I just think for Mike McCarthy and his job security. And Jerry's like, even if we lose to Detroit, I got to fill the house one more time. You yeah. know, we beat Green Bay. Well, you got a chance to win the division and solidify fill the a, house a, twice. An easier easier route to getting to the NFC title game. Yeah, I it, it would be embarrassing. And I don't think that we'll lose, but I'll say this. It was, no, they won't. If they win it and win the division, both teams, I mean, because we, we talked all year that that loss to the Cardinals or in September was going to kill them. But the Cardinals then went and beat Philadelphia to give them the huge favor. <laughs> they helped them out. Cardinals <laughs> came back and beat the <laughs> they Eagles. balanced the scales with yeah. the Cowboys. Both teams are now looking at that Arizona game going, dang it. Now, you brought up a good point, though, about Jonathan Gannon knowing the division. He does know and, that division, doesn't he? That's, you can tell. This definitely gave them a leg up in having detailed scouting reports on Cowboys and on the Giants. Yeah. No, well, sorry, the, the Eagles. Well, and they went 2-2 two and two against the lost division against the Cardinals. The they, they lost against the Giants, didn't they? Well, they, they, How the they, hell they do that? They lost to Washington and the New York Giants weeks 1-2. and two. That makes sense. And, well, but if you remember, they, they were up big at the half in both games and lost both. Oh. And that was when they were – remember when Josh Jobs had just gotten there? Remember they cut Colt yeah, McCoy? you're right. And but they they they, were, they had big leads in both of those games, which tells you that the initial game plan that Jonathan Gannon inserted was good. We still don't know why they cut Colt, do we? Because if, well, they because they not they're not trying to tank like we thought they were. Like that we thought they were cutting Colt because like they want to seriously tank. They're not yeah. trying to compete at all. They don't want to win any games. And then when I started playing yeah. hard, winning games, but, why did they cut Colt? Do uh, we know now? We gotta ask Colt that. Well, Colt hasn't been picked up. He's just doing He's just, podcasts and living the dream. Colt doesn't want to play anymore. I've been saying that. Well, I will maybe, say he went on Colin Cowherd. He went on Colin Cowherd's show, 
the week of the Texas OU game. Yeah. And we played some of the sound. And he basically said that, 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 that when, when the Cardinals cut him, that was a gut punch. I mean, that was kind of because he, he had been the lead, the number one quarterback all offseason. Been running the, uh, the, the, the spring workouts, the mini camps, training camp. And he, he invested a lot of time into it. And then he got cut and he was almost like, I don't know if I want to do this. He actually yeah. said that. Like this is, and he wasn't just going to take a job to take a job. Yeah, he wanted a job, to, a job he enjoyed like that, or yeah, he really felt he had a chance to, you know, in Arizona with a new coach and new system that he invested a lot of time, and that was a real punch in the gut and to be cut like that right before the season started, and kind of lost his appetite for football at some level. I can see uh, that. I can see that for yeah. sure. No, because I, I, it's no way his phone hasn't rung. I mean, you look at all the quarterbacks. Oh, no, for sure. Joe Flacco and all these guys. Yeah, that's, 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 his phone is definitely wrong. I, I, all I can think of is that he's like, nah, wait to, I'll either I'll wait to next season. I don't want to come into a chaotic situation yeah, right middle now. Middle of the season, you know what that's yeah, like. exactly. Or, like you said, he's kind of like, nah, I'll, I'm, I'm not really interested. I own my donut shops. I got interests. I, I mean, you, he's – He's he's played how many years? It's cold to play. 12, 12, 13, yeah, something like yeah, that. He's done well. Yeah. Hey, we'll come back when we do round of who said that, Rob? Who said that? Including uh, a, a provocative and maybe good idea from a former Texan as we're talking about the Texans. We'll have that coming back. Hook, hook him up with Ian Rodby. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? All right, Rod, who said that? Who said Who that? said it? i got to play this for you. You're going to know who this is, but I wanted to play it because it's a good idea, I think. But, uh, uh, Ty, fire up that, uh, that, that interview from the McAfee show yesterday, and you you got to figure out who said it, Rod, and then if we like the idea. Rose Bowl should be the national championship site every year. I just heard Stephen A. Smith yesterday say, they should play the Rose Bowl in SoFi. He did not say that. Because yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to get in and out of there is what he was saying, which is very real very after real. we experience it. Yeah. But that field, that stadium, the vibe, the temperature, it felt big. And there is something about that place, about the stadium, about the sunset, about the mountains, the atmosphere, the vibe. The game feels significantly bigger in that environment. When you are watching the Rose Bowl, you remember that Vince Young game against mm-hmm. the USC. You remember all those big moments. There's just something special about that place, and I think holding the national championship game there every single year would be very, very fitting for a game that is losing a lot of its history and tradition in college football. Let's hold on to one thing. Oh, huh. I'm not sure who that was. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Now, do you agree with the idea? How about this? Think about it. Play the national championship game of the 12-team playoff every year in the Rose Bowl. Make it the site. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. I think I like it rotating a little bit. And, of course, he won a Rose Bowl as a member of Wisconsin when he was there. Yeah, I kind of like it rotating. I like the rotations. It's like the Super Bowl. When they're rotating around, mm-hmm. you get you get a chance to go. When different parts your, of the country. When it's in your region, you can go. Right. You know what I mean? I kind of like haven't been long, there for the uh, national oh, it's championship. Beautiful, it's, it's an unbelievable. It is. He's right about the, the setting venue, is unlike yes. any other. It's like golf it. at the Masters. It's just yes. you can't replicate it. No, I agree with that. It's gorgeous. But it's Stephen beautiful. A. Smith is right. It's hard to get in and out of because you got to uh, dive down to the golf, down into the valley, and yeah, and like I said, the travel. From, I mean, most of those teams are going to the to the championship of being from the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> driving all the way across the country. Yeah, every time. yeah, keep it Atlanta. <laughs> keep it Atlanta, <laughs> New Orleans, right? Uh, all right, Ty, I sent you a bunch of uh, pieces of audio, so you can dial any of them up and. We can play. Who said that? That's all reports out there. That I feel like we're attacking, you know, my character and how I am as a person. Not even getting into a player standpoint of it. Um, there was no talk of me being a backup quarterback this week in terms of being a two. Um, if I was healthy enough to play, and the trainers and coaches felt like I would look good enough to play, I was going to start and play. Um, if they believed that I was not, which they believed I was not, I was not going to dress and suit up for the game. Um, so whoever reported that, I don't know where it started. 
Um, it's kind of crazy what people will write and put out there um, to try to, you know, prove their point or help their standpoint or their careers and, and what you guys do. Um, but, you know, disappointing to see that uh, without any proof or basis of it. So this week I'm now the two. They feel good four weeks out of the surgery uh, for me to dress and be the two. So I will be the two and do what I have to do to be ready to go for Baltimore. So if there's any other questions about that, um, I feel like I answered it pretty good there. Is there anything else? Is there any Baltimore questions that we get on the Baltimore? Uh, you get cut so you never... uh, who said that? That was actually Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, Steelers quarterback, because there was a report that he yeah, that... balked at being the number two quarterback. Which uh, doesn't sound like him, but I don't know. And he just said it. It's just disappointing, he called. Yeah, I don't think that would be. Yeah, even if it was, you know, you were balking at it, you don't want to admit that. Hey, listen, <laughs> but, well, uh, well, didn't real... he say, like, I, I'm not going to be, I wouldn't be the number two, but this week I'm going to dress and be the number two? Yeah. Well, he was talking about his injury. If he was healthy enough, um, he was fine. You know, because the report was that if he was healthy and cleared, he wanted to be the starter was yes. the indication. And he doesn't he was going to be the backup. But uh, Mason Rudolph, the former Oklahoma State quarterback, has been playing really good. So, but he's d- d- disputing that he n- declined to be the backup quarterback. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Drama. So, drama with the Steelers. Remember, look, Mike Tomlin, another 17th straight year with a winning record. They've been drama all year. But if they beat Baltimore, who's going to arrest a lot of people, yeah. And the Jaguars or the Dolphins were to lose, they could still make the playoffs. I know. And you know my argument. I don't think this is good for the organization. Are They're really living in purgatory. Yeah, because they never get to draft the quarterback real high. Yeah. And I guess you could still. Uh, Lamar Jackson was drafted but in the end of the first round. 26. the bottom pick. of the first round. Yeah, so you could find a quarterback there, but the Steelers have not had good luck and they haven't had many opportunities to do it. But Kenny Pickett ain't the guy. No. He ain't the guy. Mason Rudolph. As my wife would tell you, the very handsome Mason Rudolph. Oh, is he considered handsome? Well, we were watching the game, and she's like, who's that? I know. When your wife does this, always when she's like, oh, he's handsome. And I'm like, okay. You know who else she did that with the other day? D'Amico Ryans. Did she really? She goes, who's that? Do do you ever do that with your wife? You sit there and be like, man, she's smoking hot. I don't ever do that. I don't do that. I don't do that either. But my wife feels that she can do it with me. Like, oh, he's very handsome. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I don't do that with you. I'm like, dude, she's hot, man. Look at her. Oh man, she's got some great chugs. But we're we're guys, though. If you saw, if you, if everything that you were thinking came out of your mouth while you're watching a movie with your wife, (laughs) I wouldn't be married. That's gotten me in some trouble before. They don't forget. When your wife, your wife says. Oh, who's that? He's yeah, they don't forget. Women don't forget. The guys forget. We're like, I don't care. I don't care who you think is hot. Mason Rudolph's now on that list. Okay. And D'Amico. So, I got I a good story. Are. I got a good story to, to start off the 10 o'clock hour. All right, we'll have that nice. in the fabulous fifth hour. Plus more sound, more audio. I've got uh, a good one from Adam Schefter talking about uh, Jim Harbaugh to the NFL. Shefty. Coming back. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. As we head up on 10 o'clock, not seeing a whole lot around town that's uh, going to be causing you a lot of problems. Uh, northbound I-35, yes, northbound, uh, north of 1431. It's a little bit slow toward Highway 29, but uh, that's not a big backup. Southbound from Breaker to Runberg, and then northbound from Slaughter to Stasty, and then Riverside to Cesar Chavez. It's still backed up there, but we don't have any reports of crashes there or, uh, for the most part, anywhere else. I'm Don Biller. That's traffic.